0: Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson.
1: God is so patient. He's so long-suffering. He gives people opportunity after opportunity. I mean, I've seen the Lord give so many opportunities. I'm like, Lord, are you sure you want to give them another opportunity? I mean, and you know, God just, He keeps extending that grace, that that offer to turn. But there does come a point where that runs out.
0: Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Daniel chapter 4. Now here's Pastor Brian.
1: Sometimes I've even used the terminology where uh, I would find myself just falling back into the arms of God's sovereignty. Just just recognizing that that the Lord really is in control. And, And if I don't know that, if I don't understand that, then I am gonna go through life troubled, fearful, anxious, angry, all of those kinds of emotions and more. If, if I don't understand, no, wait, wait. God is in control. Now, I, I know I told this story, but I don't remember if I told it recently. But Paul was in prison. Paul was in prison under the authority of Caesar Nero. But Paul did not look at his imprisonment as Nero's decision. He looked at it as God's decision. And so when he looked at it as God's decision, he could basically say, God put me here. Paul knew God could get him out of there quite easily, but he reasoned, falling back into the sovereignty of God. I'm in prison. It must be that God has put me here. And so rather than be angry, rather than be anxious, rather than be frustrated, rather than be discouraged, it was then like, okay, Lord, well, here I am. What do you want to do? Who am I a prisoner of? I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus. (laughs) And this is something, like I said, if we get a hold of this in our lives, this will be so helpful to just recognize, you know, God allows things at times that we don't like, things that we don't think are the way it should be done. But God wants to remind all of us at times that he is sovereign that he rules in the heavens that it's not you know we we think that we're the ones who are moving and shaking and making everything happen here no god is in control and so with nebuchadnezzar nebuchadnezzar his his problem was he thought that babylon was the result of his greatness. That's what he thought. But here, notice what it says. It says that the most high, sovereign over all the kingdoms on earth, he gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of people. So, The message to Nebuchadnezzar is, Nebuchadnezzar, you're not as great as you think you are. (laughs) This is not, you are not the explanation for Babylon's greatness. This is what God's saying. I'm the explanation for Babylon's greatness. You're nothing. I I set over kingdoms the lowliest of people. You, You couldn't have done this unless I allowed you to do it. That's the message that is being brought home to Nebuchadnezzar. So, this is the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now, Belshazzar, tell me what it means. For none of the wise men in my kingdom can interpret it for me. But you can because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Then Daniel, also called Belshazzar, was greatly perplexed for a time. And his thoughts terrified him. So the king said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. Belteshazzar answered, my lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and the meaning to your adversaries. You know, this is interesting because you're seeing here that there is a relational connection between Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar. And I think clearly what Daniel is, Daniel is, he's not happy about the interpretation of the stream. He's like, oh, king, this should be for your enemies, not for you. And you see a tenderness here now. I think that's clearly what the text is implying. Some commentators that I've read have just absolutely rejected that idea. Daniel never would have had sympathy for Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was wicked. He was an idolater. Daniel would have been—he would have been full of rejoicing inside that now Nebuchadnezzar was going to get what he deserved. Those Bible commentators, I think, should have spent a little more time in the class on Grace 101. (laughs) But seriously, I, I read commentaries where they've just, you know, there's no way Daniel had sympathy for Nebuchadnezzar. That's ridiculous. He would have never had that. No, he did. He's a human being. And Nebuchadnezzar has become somebody that he evidently cares about. And so his... Just, I, this should be for your enemies. The tree you saw, which grew large and strong with its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, providing food for all, giving shelter to the wild animals and having nesting places in its branches for the birds. Your majesty, you are that tree. You become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky and your dominion extends to distant parts of the earth. Your majesty saw a holy one, a messenger or a watcher coming down from heaven and saying, cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump bound with iron and bronze in the grass of the field while its roots remain in the ground. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live with the wild animals until seven times pass for him. This is the interpretation, your majesty, and this is the decree the Most High has issued against my Lord, the King. Wow. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals you will eat grass like the ox and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all the kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means That your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Wow. Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins. Renounce your sins by doing what is right, and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. So Daniel, you know, the the courage of Daniel to just tell him point blank, this is what it means. But then to say, you know, you might be able to avoid this, but you've got to renounce your sins. He's calling Nebuchadnezzar to repentance. But look back in a couple of verses where he says to him, all of this is going to happen to you until you acknowledge that the most high rules in the kingdoms of men. So the, the problem with Nebuchadnezzar, obviously, his, is his pride. And so God is, is going to take him and utterly humble him by giving him the mind of a beast. So Nebuchadnezzar goes insane. For a period of time, seven seasons pass. Some people think it might, you know, be seven seasons like the four seasons we have each year. Others understand it as seven years passing. We don't know exactly which one it was. But this is the verdict, that this judgment is gonna come. But Daniel holds out hope that this can be averted if Nebuchadnezzar would repent. And, And I think that Daniel wasn't, this wasn't just wishful hoping on Daniel's part. I think Daniel is appealing to Nebuchadnezzar as the ambassador for the Lord. I think the Lord is giving Nebuchadnezzar an opportunity to avoid this judgment by renouncing his sins and casting off his wickedness and in my experience over the years i have i've seen this over and over again god god is so patient he's so long suffering he gives people opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. I mean, I've seen, I've seen the Lord give so many opportunities. I'm like, Lord, are you sure you want to give them another opportunity? I mean, shouldn't they have been judged by now? And you know, God just, he, he keeps extending that grace, that, that offer to turn. But there does come a point where that runs out. And so... All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. So he didn't renounce his sins. He didn't repent of his wickedness. But notice this, 12 months later. So God gives him another year. 12 months have passed. And what's happened in the 12 months? As the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, is not this great Babylon I have built as the royal residence of my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? Oh, dang. (laughs) Poor guy, Nebuchadnezzar. You didn't get it. You're you're still holding on. You still think that this is is about you. You still think this is because of you. Even, this is, I think this is just amazing. Even as the words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. Wow. Man, God gives this 12 months, but then when when it's finally that moment, the judgment is swift. It is instant, right there. Before he can finish the sentence about how great he was, there's another voice that's interrupting. And so... You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. See, God's in control. Now, that brings up a question. If God is in control, how is it that wicked people come to power? Why is it that wicked people come to power? And I think the answer is, it's a judgment. Wicked rulers are a judgment on wicked people. You see, God judges today. There's there's a judgment that will come. There's the great judgment. There's the final judgment that will come. There's a judgment that every single person will face after death. But there are judgments in this time as well. There are judgments in this life. And sometimes that's a judgment on an individual person. But sometimes it's a judgment on groups of people, on nations, And so God will punish wicked nations by allowing wicked people to come to power who will oppress them. God allows these kinds of things to happen. Romans chapter one basically teaches us this. It teaches us that the wrath of God is presently being revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of people who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So all people suppress the truth so they can live unrighteously. They pretend like they don't know it, they don't hear it, they don't wanna hear it, they turn a deaf ear to the truth and they do that so they can live ungodly lives. And the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against that. And yet the wrath of God is not today. It's not seen like it was in the past where it's so obviously noticeable like Sodom and Gomorrah, for example. Um, Nobody was wondering what was happening in Sodom and Gomorrah. Everybody knew God was judging Sodom and Gomorrah. Everyone knew finally that God was judging Egypt in the time of Moses. Everyone knew that God was judging Jerusalem when Nebuchadnezzar came and destroyed it. And everyone knew that God was judging Jerusalem again when the Romans came to destroy it because Jesus said that that was gonna happen. But then since then, we there's, there's not many things that we could point to and say with absolute certainty, that is a judgment from God. Because that kind of judgment happened in the past and will happen in the future. But I think now the way God judges is he judges by allowing people to live the way they want to live and then they have to also live with the consequences of the way they want to live. And that becomes the judgment. So the judgment is the consequence of living in rebellion to God. If you live in rebellion to God, you will pay for it. That is just a fact of life. You can't escape it. There's the Bible tells us whatever a person sows, they will also reap. If you sow to the flesh, you will reap corruption. Just like if you put uh corn or wheat in the ground and it's going to spring up ultimately and whatever you planted that will be the crop that springs up. And so those who sow to the flesh will reap corruption. It's it's a law. And God you know, we, we look at, you know, let's just say we look at the United States where we all live. And we look around and we wonder what on earth is going on? Why are things going so crazy? Why, why is there such a proliferation of wickedness? How is it that these politicians are making these policies that are just their lunacy? This is a judgment. How does this happen? It's a judgment. God is sovereign over the nations. God allows these things to happen. But what is his ultimate goal? His ultimate goal is to get people to come to their senses and repent and turn to him, just like Daniel said to Nebuchadnezzar renounce your sins and cast off your wickedness. That's God's motive. In allowing these things to happen. So, so we pick up here, your royal authority has been taken from you, you will be driven away from people until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign. Immediately, what had been said, verse 33, about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like the ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. Now, there is this syndrome, a psychological condition. You know, it's it's actually documented where people will, in a psychotic state, they will think they're an animal. And they have documented people thinking that they were like a cow or an ox. And another common one is, the technical term is lycanthropy, which is people think they're a wolf, the werewolf of London. (laughs) This is where (laughs) Actually, this is where these books and movies and ideas come from, from these, these syndromes. Now, I just bring that up because every, everybody, when they're talking about this, they, they tend to point to that. And, and quite often, you know, people are always looking for some sort of a natural explanation for these things. Well, yeah, Nebuchadnezzar, he, he probably just had a nervous breakdown and he had that boanthropy. You know, he thought he was an ox. Well, it's it's crystal clear here what happened. God is judging him and taking away his sanity. And so he's lost his mind and he thinks he's a beast. Now, let's put this in the context of who this guy is that we're talking about. This guy is probably the greatest single ruler in all of the history of the world. The the Babylonian uh, Empire had a long, long stretch. And uh, Nebuchadnezzar was, he was the second king of what is called the Neo-Babylonian Empire. But under Nebuchadnezzar's reign, the empire far exceeded anything that it had ever been previously. You know, Babel goes all the way back to the book of Genesis, right, in the 11th chapter chapter. They went to the plain of Shinar, they built a tower, it was named Babel. That is the beginning of Babylon.
0: For the month of December, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Is Christmas Unbelievable? Four questions everyone should ask about the world's most famous story by Rebecca McLaughlin. It's easy for the holiday season to draw our attention to shopping, parties, programs, and events, while the Christmas story is relegated to the statue of a myth or fairy tale for children. But is the Christmas story actually grounded in history? Well, in her book, Is Christmas Unbelievable? Four questions everyone should ask about the world's most famous story, Rebecca McLaughlin tackles four basic questions surrounding Christmas. She deals with the questions surrounding if Jesus was a historical figure, if we can take seriously the historical accounts of the gospel, and if the virgin birth can actually be believed, and why it all matters. If you know a person who is skeptical that the Christmas story is true, or if you are a skeptic yourself, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443. Or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com To order, Is Christmas Unbelievable? Four Questions Everyone Should Ask About the World's Most Famous Story by Rebecca McLaughlin. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you,